Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. In His presence is fullness of joy. And in His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so we've been talking about encountering God and what happens in those encounters. And so I want to continue that this morning and call your attention to a story in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 15, beginning with verse uh, 21. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went out and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came uh, from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely or grievously demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good or proper to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now the same story is in Mark chapter 7. And it changes the background of the story just a bit. and simply says that Jesus had left the region of Galilee because of the pressure that he was under from the scribes and the Pharisees, the opposition that he was receiving to his ministry. And he goes into Tyre and Sidon uh, on the coastline, Phoenicia, in an area that was noted to be the enemies of Israel. But he goes there to rest. The scripture says that he could not be hidden because there was one lady, a Greek, a Syrophoenician, a Gentile, an outcast to Israel that had a need. She needed to encounter Jesus. And I want to talk to you today about encounters, and I want to use the title, Marked. Marked. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The scripture declares that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The word says that God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem us that were under the law, that we might receive adoptions as his sons and his daughters. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and all things were made by him, and without him not anything made that was made. But the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, literally tabernacled with us. It literally meant that he pitched his tent in our neighborhood. Or as one translation says, he dwelt with us and he moved into our mess. 
God loved us and he came to save us. Not to condemn, but to bring salvation. And so Jesus came, he lived, he taught, he healed, he performed miracles. The Bible said that he came to his own, but his own received him not. So he was crucified, he died, he was buried, but he rose again on the third day. He bore our sins in his own body, in his own flesh, on the tree, on the cross. And he was forever and eternally marked by that encounter. His brow was marked by the crown of thorns. His back was marked by the stripes that came from that beating and that whip. His side was riven and torn open by the spear. And his hands and his feet were nail pierced. So that Jesus became identified by the marks of that encounter that he had on Calvary. In fact, from that point on, that's the way they knew him. In the upper room after his resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples. And yet they're not sure about his death, his burial, his resurrection. But the Bible simply says that he showed them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Their sorrow and mourning was turned to rejoicing and gladness when they saw the marks of his death in his own body. In fact, you'll remember with me that Thomas said, I will not believe until I can see the marks of his suffering, until I can take my finger and place it in the nail print in his wrist, until I can take my hand and thrust it into his riven side. I will not believe until I see those marks that identified his encounter. In fact, even in the book of Revelation, the Bible said that John began to weep because no one had prevailed with the power to open the scroll or to open the book and to loose the seals thereof and to bring eternal redemption to mankind. And then the angel said, weep not, John, for one has prevailed. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But the Bible said that when John turned to see the lion, he saw a lamb that was slain. So that even in eternity itself, Jesus bears the marks of that encounter. And so I submit to you today that just as he bore the marks of his encounter, even so those who would encounter Jesus are marked. Oh, not in the body, not with physical marks, but with spiritual marks. I submit that everyone that encounters God, that would encounter Jesus, are marked by certain characteristics. In fact, the scripture says there are three characteristics of those who encounter God. They are desperate. They're marked by desperation. They are determined. They're marked by determination. And they're marked with a doubtless faith. And we can see that from the stories that are listed in the scripture. We have only to go to that first example of the lady with the issue of blood. She's a bleeder. In fact, she's been hemorrhaging from her body for 12 long years. Now, to understand that bleeding and that hemorrhaging, you have to go back to the Old Testament, to Leviticus chapter 15. And you have to understand that according to the law and the ceremonial customs and the religious customs of that day, as long as there was a flow or a hemorrhaging of blood from her body that was beyond the natural cycle of woman, she was considered unclean. In fact, she was contaminated. Everywhere she went, 
was contaminated. Everyone she touched was unclean. And this condition of hemorrhaging had gone on for 12 long years. And it was open to everyone. Every day on the clothesline, you could see those contaminated rags as there's washed and tried to be clean. All of her shame and her guilt is open for everyone to see. And the Bible says that she was separated because of her condition, she's like a leper. She's separated from her siblings. She can't hug her husband. She can't kiss her child. She can't embrace her newborn baby because everything that she touches becomes unclean and contaminated. She lives in isolation because everything that she sets on, everything that she touches in the house is unclean and contaminated. She's living in isolation. She's living in shame. She's living in guilt. The Jews considered that it was a type of sin. Not only was she separated from her siblings, but she's separated from society. She can't go to Walmart. She can't buy groceries. She can't go anywhere in society because if she touches anyone, they are unclean, they're contaminated, they're defiled. Not only can she not go in society, but she can't go to church. She can't go to the court of the women in the temple. She can't come to the sanctuary because she is unclean and contaminated and defiled. It is a desperate situation. And it's been going on for 12 years. And just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. For the Bible says she had spent all of her substance, all of her resources, all of her money on many physicians. And rather than getting better, she got worse. She's desperate. I believe she tried every remedy. I, I, she tried every infomercial on the television. She went to Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz and Oprah and everyone else to find relief. And yet she grew worse. In fact, the Talmud gives 11 remedies for her condition. Most of them are myths or astringents. And I believe she tried all 11. I'll just give you two. One was that if you take the ashes of an ostrich egg and you carry it in a cotton rag in winter and a linen rag in summer, you'll be healed. Well, first you've got to find an ostrich. Then you have to gather the ashes and what if you get the rags mixed up? But I believe she tried it. The second one was the one I really liked. It said that if you take a kernel of barley grain that is found in the dung of a white she-donkey and you carry that in your pocket, you'd be healed. That's the one I really want. First, you have to find a white she-donkey. And then you have to feed it barley. And then you have to wait for the donkey to do its thing. And then you reach into the manure and you find a whole kernel of barley and you take it out of the manure and you carry it in your pocket. That's why nobody will get within 100 yards of you. And that's supposed to make you well. But she's desperate. She's not only desperate, but she's determined. For she said in her heart, if I can just find Jesus, if I can encounter Jesus, if I can reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be made whole. What she's talking about is this to let his prayer cloth. And on the edge of his prayer cloth, there are sashes and cords, 619 knots representing the, the ordinances of Moses. And what she's saying is, if I can reach out and touch the hem of his prayer cloth, I will be healed. Another translation, she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment. 
Now on the lower part of his robe, there are four blue ribbons that remind them of the commandments of God and to obey the commandments of God. And she said, if some way, I, if I can't touch his prayer cloth, if I can get low enough to touch one of those ribbons, she's saying, if I can take hold of the word of God, if there's some way I can take hold of the promises of God, if I can encounter Jesus, I'll be made whole. She's not only desperate in her situation, but she's determined to touch Jesus. And so she breaks every social custom. She breaks every religious custom, every taboo. She comes out of the house. She's not supposed to come out of the house. She's unclean. She goes out into the crowd and the Bible said Jesus is surrounded by people and being jostled from one side of the road to the other. So it must mean that she started elbowing her way through to get to Jesus. And, and if not that, it means that she was so determined she got down on her knees and crawled through the press of the crowd so that she could reach up and touch the hem of his garment. She is absolutely determined to encounter Jesus. You have to be desperate. You have to be determined if you're ever going to encounter the Son of God. And you have to be doubtless. Her faith was doubtless if I touch him. She not only took hold of the written promises of God when she touched that hymn. Oh, she's taking hold of the promises that one day a Messiah will come. And when the Messiah comes, he's the son of David. And he will bring salvation. And he will open the eyes of the blind. And he will open the doors to the captive. And he'll bind up the brokenhearted. And she's been living in isolation for 12 years. She is shattered and desperate and determined. But with doubtless faith, she takes hold of the written promises of God. But she not only took hold of the written word, she takes hold of the living word. For the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the moment that she reaches out in faith and touches him, Jesus stops and says, somebody touch me. And the disciples are incredulous and they said, everyone's touching you. And he said, oh no, this was a different touch. Somebody touched me with a definite, distinct faith and I felt virtue go out of me. And when she couldn't be hidden, Jesus said, you took a risk, lady, and your faith has made you whole. You are all together. Your, your disease has stayed and staunched. It's over and done with and she's healed. But he also said, go in peace. That means she's saved. And he also said, be of good cheer or be of good comfort or I'm going to give you your heart back. That means she's healed physically, she's healed spiritually, she's healed emotionally, she's restored from all that isolation and guilt and shame. She has encountered Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And then you go to that guy that the Bible says was sick of the palsy. The word palsy means paralyzed. It means he's broken. We're not told how he got in that shape. We're not told if he had a, a birth defect and couldn't walk. We're not told if he had some kind of a disease or a virus that affected his central nervous system. We're not told if he's paralyzed by his fear of the judgment of God because the first thing Jesus said to him was, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Because the Jews thought being paralyzed was a type of sin. Maybe he's so afraid He's in the grip of terror and shame and guilt over his own sinfulness to the place that he's paralyzed and unable to get up off his bed. We don't know. Maybe his back was broken. But he's desperate. He is confined to that mat 
and he can't move. Oh, but not only is there desperation, there's determination. He had four friends. And the four friends are determined that they're going to get him into the presence of Jesus. And they pick up that bed, that mat that he's lying on. And they carry it to where Jesus is in the house. But the house is so filled with people that they can't get to Jesus. And so they climb to the rooftop. And and between the, the rafters of that house, they cut through the roof. Oh, it's made out of grass and dried mud and manure. Amen. And they cut through that roof and they lower him into the presence of Jesus. They are determined to get him to Jesus so that he can encounter the Son of God. But there's not only determination, there is doubtless faith. I I believe it's one of the the funniest and, and the most beautiful pictures in the scripture. Jesus is sitting there in the house and all of a sudden pieces of grass and mud and manure are falling all over him. And the Bible said he looked up and he saw four faces looking through that hole in the roof. And the word said when they saw, when he saw their faith, he said to the son, the boy, child, thy sins are forgiven thee. Take up your bed and begin to walk. And out of that doubtless faith, immediately he takes up his bed and he begins to walk. He's encountered Jesus. Oh, in this last story, you know, Jesus needs rest. He leaves Israel, goes to, to Phoenicia, to Tyre and Sidon, trying to get away from the press of the crowds, but he can't be hidden. Mark says that. He could not be hidden. Well, there's one lady that needs an encounter with Jesus. And what you need to understand is she is Greek. She's a Gentile. She is an outcast. Uh, she, she is not under the covenant blessings between Abraham and God. And when she comes, she begins to cry. And she recognizes one of his titles. You son of David. Have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously possessed by the devil and she calls him the son of David. But she has no right to that title. That is a title of the Messiah for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. That's a fulfillment of the prophecy to Abraham's kids and she's not a child of the king. And she cries, thou son of David, have mercy on me. She's desperate and he doesn't answer a word. Most of you would leave right then. Oh, I mean, I've come desperate. I need to encounter you. I have this situation. My daughter is bound by the power of the devil and I cry my heart out and recognize you with honor that you're the Messiah, the son of David. You're the Messiah to the... And you won't even answer me? It, It upsets his disciples. They come and say, look, Lord, would you do something or send her away? Either give her something or get her out of here because she's aggravating us. She's crying after us. Apparently, she kept on crying for help. Jesus didn't say a word. But this lady's not only desperate, she's determined. And she comes and the Bible says she fell at his knees and worshiped him. And this time, she changes the title. And she says, oh, Lord, help my daughter. And when she said, Lord, she is recognizing he's more than the Messiah to the Jew. He's more than in covenant relationship with Abraham, but he is the Messiah, the Gentile. He is a light to the Gentile. He has come to save all men. She recognizes who he is, and she is determined that he helps her. And immediately it sounds like he's going to rebuke her. He says, I've not come but to help the lost sheep of Israel. But she says, oh, Lord. Have mercy on me. 
I'm desperate. I'm determined that you help my daughter. And Jesus says, it is not proper or right that I should take the bread that belongs to the children and give it to the dogs. You know that's a slur. You understand that when he used the word dog, he's using the word for cur. He's using the word for those scavenger packs that roam the streets. That, that's what he means. In fact, the Israelites called the Gentiles dogs. It was a slander. Most of us would have got up and left. <laughs> you, I came for your help. I came to encounter you. And, and you would say it's not right, meat and proper, to take the meat, the bread that belongs to the children and to give it to the dogs, you're in front. But instead, she sees a hope. She's determined. And she says, that's right, Lord. You're right. But not only are there wild dogs that are scavengers that roam the streets, but they're little pet dogs. And that's the word Jesus used. Not the, scaven not the scavenger cur on the street, but the little dog, the lap dog, the pet dog the one that you let have control of your house. Oh, don't, don't look at me like that. I know you do. I've met people. We, we stayed in one home. Not only did the dog have the run of the house, but when the dog died, they were so emotionally distraught, they called the funeral director to have the funeral director come put it in the coffin and bury it. It's that, okay. Okay. It's that little kind of dog that you love, that's a pet dog. And they would have the run of the house. And if anything fell from the table, the little dog would get it. In fact, they didn't have utensils. They didn't have forks and spoons. And so they ate with their hands. And, and they didn't have napkins like we do. So when they came to the end of the meal, they would take their soiled hands, take a slice of bread, wipe it on the slice of bread, and throw it on the floor for the little dog. And that's what she says. She said, Lord, you're right. I understand that the meat and the bread belong to the children. But all I'm asking for, I, I'm a little dog. All I ask for is one crumb from the master's table. She is absolutely determined and she's doubtless. And the Lord said, great, O oh lady, is your faith. O oh woman, great is your faith. It's going to be just as you desire. And from that very instant, her daughter was made whole. And what we learn is that anyone who would encounter Jesus has to be desperate. You may feel like your prayer is never going to be answered, that 12 years has passed, and instead of better, you're worse. You've tried everything that you know to try. You've attempted everything you know to do. You've stood on every promise in the scripture. You've prayed every prayer that you know how to pray. You've shed every tear that you can shed. You've done everything that you know to do. Instead of being better, your substance and resource and energy is gone and you feel worse. You're desperate. You're shut in with your shame and your guilt, isolated from everything that means something to you. You gotta be desperate. You may feel like you're paralyzed by fear and guilt and shame, terrorized by the impending judgment of God, broken in your back and your body. You may feel bound 
just like that daughter with the power of the enemy. Feels like no matter how hard you try, the bondage becomes worse and the situation will never change. And, and you find yourself in a desperate situation, lost without God. Sickness and grief and shame and sorrow. And you feel like an outcast. You're desperate. All I'm asking you to do this morning is get determined. Whatever you have to do, you have to come out of the house of isolation. You, you, you may have to cut through the crowd. You, you may have to elbow your way. You may have to even get down on your knees and crawl, but get to Jesus. Somebody may need to carry you. Maybe some of your friends need to pick up your mat. You can't make it by yourself, but they can pick you up and carry you to Jesus. Somebody may need to climb to the roof. Somebody had to pay for the roof and cut a hole. Maybe you need to cry like that lady. Even when you hear silence as an answer, you need to cry. Keep crying. Maybe you feel like he, he would rebuke me. He's not. He's saying there's an open. You don't, you don't need a full meal. All you need is one crumb. One touch from the master's table. And when you get desperate and determined, your faith becomes doubtless. Those that come to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. According to your faith, so be it unto you. Lord, I believe. Help now my unbelief. We are redeemed by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And if you will reach out with doubtless faith, if I can just touch the hem, it's going to happen. And it's going to happen right now. He will encounter you. And you will encounter him. And you will be made whole. I've always wanted to sing. And you that know me know that's an impossibility. And so instead of singing it, I want to read you the words of my new favorite song. I heard it a couple of weeks ago and can't get it out of my mind and my heart. It simply says, in the room. There are moments nothing can replace when heaven and earth meet face to face. When a broken heart begins to change, a word takes on flesh and a soul finds faith. Where the unfulfilled are satisfied and the unknown scars are reconciled, there's an open door to brand new life up close in the presence of the Savior. And I just want to be in the room want to be in the room when you move and I'm not leaving till you do I want to see the blind receive their sight hear the praise of the voiceless start to rise every child of God baptized with fire right here in the presence of the healer so tear off the roof lower me down whatever it takes to get me to you roll every stone push through the crowd God I want to see you break through because I want to be in the room want to be in the room when you move and I'm not leaving till you do I don't want to miss it you need an encounter stand with me right now and those who encounter God are marked not in their body but spiritually 
and they're marked by these characteristics, you've got a desperate situation. But you're going to take a determined effort. Tear off the roof. Climb to the roof. Come out of the house. Carry. Cry. Whatever you have to do, I'm going to get to Jesus. And when I get there, He's going to make me well. I'm going to touch the living Word of God. And I'm not going to leave. I want you to move. I want you to move. And I'm going to stay in the room until you do. Because I'm not going to miss it. You may feel paralyzed with terror and the shame and the guilt of your sins. You may be broken in your relationship with God. You may be bound by the power of sin and addiction. You may be hurting in sickness, suffering in isolation. But I want you to know Jesus is here right now. And he came here just for you. He can't be hidden. As long as there's one need, he can't be hidden. And all he's waiting for you to do is to get to Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to do that right now, whatever you have to do. Crawl, climb, push, shove, cry, carry, cut through the roof. Whatever you need to do, I want you to step out right now and come right here. And we're going to pray for you that in doubtless faith you'll touch Jesus and encounter him this morning. And he'll change your life. And he'll change your situation. And he'll heal your body. And he'll relieve your suffering and make you whole. Would you come right now quickly? Brother Bob, I, I, I need prayer. Then get to Jesus. I, I'm just saying, come to Jesus. Hallelujah. Come to Jesus. Come on, come to Jesus. He's here right now. Come to Jesus. Come on. The Holy Spirit's speaking. Come on. Right now. Obey what the Lord's speaking in your heart. You've been bound long enough. Come to Jesus. You've been suffering long enough. Come to Jesus. You've been hurting in silence and isolation long enough. Come to Jesus. You felt guilty and outcast long enough. Come to Jesus. He can't be hidden. He's here just for you. You can touch Him. You can touch the hem of His garment. You can take hold of the living Word of God. He's going to make you well. He's going to make you well. I'm determined, Lord. I'm coming. Holy Spirit's moving right now. Oh, hallelujah. You can see, church, I, I need your help. You who have encountered Jesus and know how he set you free. I need you to come help me pray for these. Prayer team, others, you feel impressed to the Holy Spirit. Would you come right now and join me with these as we pray? Come on. Obey the Holy Spirit. We need you right now. Father, we're so glad that right now we can touch you. We can encounter you right now, Lord. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.